Hey, everyone. So I wanted to take a moment to explain why I do this podcast. The purpose is not for you to agree with everything I say or everything my guests say, but simply to be exposed to things that you don't hear about in the media or in the culture so that you can mull it over and decide for yourself what you think. It's also to get support for the choices and beliefs you have about men and women, sex and love, marriage and motherhood that you do not see represented elsewhere. All of my books and pretty much all of my work is geared toward this mission, including my new book that's available now for pre-order. If you're a single woman who would like to get married and have a family, or if you have an adult daughter who you know would like to get married and have a family at some point, you or she is going to need a brand new roadmap from which to follow. Women today have been sold a pack of lies about sex and relationships, men and marriage and work and family that will lead to failure in this domain. How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, a 12-step program for marriage-minded women, is the detox women need to reject these lies and to be successful in life and in love. Just go to howtogethitched.net and you'll find all the information you need there. Again, that's howtogethitched.net. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Banker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So I don't know about you guys, but I've been reading all these headlines about Bill and Melinda Gates' divorce, more than I want to know. Uh, and But the latest is about how Bill pur- purportedly had this affair. Apparently, his spokesperson confirmed that, quote, there was an affair almost 20 years ago, which ended amicably, end quote. Now, this video is not about Bill and Melinda Gates. I'm only mentioning it because it made me think about how when people hear about a husband having an affair, we immediately assume he's just a bad guy or a philanderer and that his wife is a victim. We never acknowledge what likely led up to that event. To help explain what goes on behind the scenes when good men stray, I would like to read an email from a gentleman named Leonard, who is a subscriber of mine and who I hear from on occasion. And I think his explanation would be, I think his explanation will be far more profound than mine, not just because of the way he explains it, but because he's also a man. So without further ado, I'm going to read this to you. Uh, he had, again, his name is Leonard and he had, he had um, watched my YouTube or I know he'd listened to a podcast where I wrote six things women need to know about men. And he was responding to that because he thought it was a little incomplete. He wanted to talk about love affairs and why they happen. Here's what he wrote. Men take pride in their commitments. They are built to be faithful. Even you have said it. They are efficient hunters. To get a man, women start off by being pretty, pleasant, and sexy. Then they get married. And after a while, the wife stops being pretty, pleasant, and sexy, as she was when they were dating. The husband will continue to be faithful for a long time. However, when he goes out into the world, he will find himself with women who are being pretty, pleasant, and sexy with him. He will return home to the unpretty, unpleasant, and unsexy wife. The contrast will be striking. However, he will continue to resist for years 
because men take pride in honoring their commitments. But there will come a day when his resistance is down. Perhaps he's tired and burned out, or discouraged, or frustrated over his work, and he will stumble and fall. He will tumble into the arms of a lovely woman. He will feel intense guilt, he will blame himself, and he will see himself as weak. He will resolve that it will never happen again. Months may go by, and it will happen again. He will feel guilty, blame himself, and resolve to never let it happen again. Because he is blaming himself, he is making himself weaker. He has lost the pride in his commitment. When the wife finds out, she will blame him, tell him that he's untrustworthy, and shame him. He will agree, and this will make him even weaker when he needs to be strong. He goes on to correctly observe that many modern women feel that being pretty or pleasant or sexy is a portrayal of their sisterhood. Um, and I, I, I will say that the idea of remaining attractive or pleasant or kind with, you know, years later with one's husband is very often met with resistance. It's this idea that, I don't know, somehow you, you are entitled to, to be a completely different person after you're married because of all of the stresses that occur in life, you know, namely children are a big one, obviously. And then, you know, you have a whole slew of things, right? Money problems, deaths, tragedies, health problems. There's all kinds of things that come along to test us and cause us to uh, behave differently than we did when we were dating. And while that's absolutely understandable, and it's, it's common and normal, the idea that you can succumb to that and, and not have to be anything like the person you were when you were dating the person, this goes for men and women, is unreasonable and unfair. There is, you know, one of the easiest things that I find when I work with couples to get them sort of back into that space that they were when they were first married or even in the dating stage is to just remember what they did, what they looked like, how they behaved, um, what their, you know, mindset was. You're never going to get back that new love feeling, but you can certainly remember how different our behaviors were. And that includes how we took care of ourselves physically. And it's very easy to get back that dynamic, even after you've been married for a while, by immediately resorting to exactly what you did when you were dating. It's, it's really fascinating. I mean, unless the marriage has gone on for so many years and it's just dead in the water, that might be a different conversation. But for the average marriage where it's struggling along with all these things that come up in life that are stressors, you really can start to behave the way you did when you were dating and get back that dynamic very quickly, believe it or not. But many women are resistant to the idea that they should have to look a certain way or behave a certain way as if men should just accept whatever they get after saying I do. And for all too many couples today, that includes sex. There's an idea that if you're not in the mood, you shouldn't have to have it. That if your sex um, desire is different from your man's, which it very often is post kid, he's just going to have to put up with that. 
it's gotten to the point where, I mean, I've met couples who literally aren't having it at all, maybe once or twice a year, if that. And the man is supposed to just deal with that. That's what I want to address. When I talk about why good men stray, that's what I want to address. First of all, no, he shouldn't have to put up with that, very simply. Um, yes, both partners do have a responsibility to continue to look good for each other and to treat each other well. And the idea that you can essentially starve a man sexually and expect him to be faithful is ridiculous. And it's very immature. It just doesn't work that way. And it isn't just about sex. And so this is really, really important what I want to say next. And, and, and I want women especially to hear this because I truly, truly believe we have somewhat of an epidemic going on with this. I do believe that millions of husbands, and I'm honing in on husbands here, not just boyfriends or men, because it's a completely different ballgame before marriage than after. I think husbands are starving for affection from their wives. That's almost more significant in the sex piece, although I don't want to diminish the sex piece. But I think a lot of times wives assume that any time a man wants to, their husbands want to get close to them, it's specifically to have sex with them. And so if they're not in the mood, they just kind of keep their distance and don't let that touch occur, thinking that that's going to end up in sex. You'd be surprised at how often the goal isn't actually to end up in sex. The goal is seriously to just be touching, getting that affection. And a man who has not had affection is, a, is dying. He's, he's dying. And I think women don't understand this because for women, they can get their need for touch. And I, obviously I'm talking about non-sexual touch here, just literally just touch met from with their girlfriends, right? There's a lot of hugging going on, um, kisses, that kind of thing. Men don't do that with other men typically they depend on their wives for that affection. And just, you cannot even believe what a little, what little amount of affection will do to a man. And I would like women to sort of stop and think about, gosh, when was the last time I just touched my husband in a non-sexual way, you know, rubbed his head, rubbed his back, held his hand, hugged him, all of those things that came so naturally to both of you but especially to women, when you were dating. Even if you don't feel like doing it in the way that you felt like doing it when you were first meeting, because there's just no way to get that newness back, you will be flabbergasted at how sort of making sure you force that along if you have to at the beginning will end up bringing you closer, will make you feel. You, you have to do the act first to get the feeling. I think a lot of women wait for the feeling to envelop them and then they act. And the problem with that is when you've been married a very long time and those feelings from the, you know, early, you know, from the dating stage have dissipated and stressors are coming at you, you, you have to flip that. You have to reverse that. Cause you're, if you wait around to feel a certain way, you're gonna be waiting a very long time. And then he's suffering and you're suffering too, even if you're not acknowledging it, you have to create the behavior or do the behavior to then create the feeling. I can tell you that um, 
for all of the coaching I've done in the last few years, I, there's an intake form that everybody gets that they have to fill out when they sign up, especially for the free call. This is for people who are married and want the long-term coaching. You, you have to answer these questions. And I get maybe, I'd say 50, 50% actually, believe it or not, from men and women, most of whom are married, some of whom are engaged, and a small select few who are single. But pretty much people who are in relationships are the ones who reach out. I don't really work with single people who are, you know, trying to find a man kind of thing. Um, and invariably, the descriptors or the answer to the questions that I have there about, you know, what you're frustrated with about your relationship and where do you want your relationship to go? It's very long and complex <laughs> from the women, which won't surprise anybody listening to this. But from the men, 100% of the responses are all related to sex and affection. 100%. Almost none of the answers from the women are the same. Now, that might not qualify as this massive study, right? That's um, a microcosm. That's a small group, but, you know, relative to the people in the country. But it's it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that speaks volumes. That tells you something. That is data. And the I, ha, I have to almost explain to women why that touch and affection is so significant to men, again, because they associate any attempt of their husbands to have affection as leading to sex. Sometimes it will, for sure, and that's okay. <laughs> um, but it doesn't have to. And especially if we're talking about throughout the day, just preempting his his desire to come over to you. Preempt it by giving him a lot of affection throughout the day. Or, you know, obviously this depends on how often you see each other or whatever, but whenever you're with them in the evening, weekends, um, fostering that touch in a non-sexual way will go very far for for men. Um, which, again, is not to diminish the need for the physical sexual release that men certainly have more than women do. There's just no denying that. Anyone who says otherwise is just you know, lying. Um, but that's not what this is about. I'm just talking that I really, I'm not talking about sex per se. I'm talking about affection and attention. And that tends to also go hand in hand with the lack of sex. And so the idea that a man is supposed to live for years, months, starts out weeks, then months, then years, then for some decades without sex, unless both people are in agreement on that. And I, no judgment here. If you want a sexless marriage and both people are happy or, you know, after X amount of years, you've, you've, you know, you're tired of that. You don't want it anymore. And again, you're in agreement, more power to you, but I'm, t but that's very rare. Most people, one person wants it more than the other. And you cannot expect, and since that's more often than not the men, although I do hear from women who, who have the reverse problem where they want it more than men, the idea that you should expect a man to quote unquote, put up with that, if you will, or that you can let yourself go and just be a completely different person after you get married when that's not what you did to lure him in from the get go is just totally unrealistic. Of course, he's going to stray eventually and it's going to work and it's going to happen exactly how this gentleman Leonard described it so eloquently, 
eloquently in his email. That's how it's going to happen. And I loved his description because it shows not a, a terribly bad man who's a philanderer, which, by the way, isn't to say that there aren't women who, you know, there are some women who just married men of low character who just can't keep it in their pants. Sure. They are not the norm. That That's not what this is about. And Leonard's description of how it goes down behind the scenes was just very apt. It's a very slow, slow process because men are, are very commitment oriented once they're in, once they may, it may take them longer to get to the altar, but once they're in, they're in and they're very loyal, especially if there are children and they're almost always our children. So he's, he's stuck. He's in a very hard place. If he has children and his wife has stopped being affectionate and loving and having sex with him, it's just downhill from there. And, and it's, it's, it's cruel. It's just cruel. So that's it. That's my short little podcast today to address um, these headlines. I keep, whether it's, you know, about whoever it's about. Um, It doesn't have to be somebody famous. We all know people in, you know, our neighbors or families or friends. And we hear about someone had an affair and then we jump on it and say, oh, well, that's what happened. You know, bad person. And then the other person has to divorce them. And that's just inevitable. And that's, that's like as far as the conversation goes or the thought process. There really shouldn't be any conversation about other people's marriages, obviously, but in your head, that's kind of as far as you go. And you need to go beyond that. There is almost always much more to the story. And that ends this hour of The Suzanne Venker Show. Don't forget to continue the conversation on Facebook by typing in the Facebook search bar, The Suzanne Venker Show. Also, please recommend this podcast to one friend you think would enjoy it. And don't forget to leave us a review on whatever platform you're now using. Finally, if you have a question or comment for me, you can email me at Suzanne at the Suzanne Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week.